Uh, before I begin, I, it is wonderful to be back here in Berkeley. Um, nine of our best years in ministry were spent just down here on 12 Mile next to the post office at the Methodist Church. And uh, there were, it was, that was a tough decision when the bishop said, we want you to go down to Adrian first and be the senior pastor there. And uh, we took the, we, we get 40, 48 hours to decide, but I <laughs> had already turned down the bishop three times, other churches they wanted me to go to. And <clears throat> I knew what, if I said, uh, not ready, he would have said, okay, you're still going. So <laughs> we took it and, uh, but it's wonderful to be back here. Thanks Peter for inviting me back and thank you for the warm welcome we've had from all of you so far today. I also love the, uh, the video that Peter picked out because all he knew that I was gonna preach on prayer and uh, leave it to Peter, he'll come up with exactly the right thing to, to put up there. But I also love the disciples and you may ask why. Well, that's because when you think about it, they're us, aren't they? They're you and they're me. So you may say, well, what exactly do you mean they're us? Well, see, they sat with Jesus. They traveled with Jesus. They ate with Jesus. They listened to Jesus. They did pretty much everything with Jesus for three years. But they didn't seem to understand Jesus very well, did they? Over and over again, we see in the Gospels, they ask him, well, what do you mean by that? They just didn't get it. And my friends, whether we like to admit it or not, and even though we've got the advantage of a couple of millennium, you know, 2,000 years or a little better, looking back over all of this, trying to get it right, we still make the same mistakes and have many of the same questions that they had at that time. And if you don't think so, just look around the world. Are we following Jesus and Jesus' teaching? Are we loving our neighbor? Are we caring for our neighbors? Not as much, nearly as much as we should be. Because when you look at it, it's become a place of name calling and looking out more for ourselves than we do for others. Now, I don't know about you, but as a Christian, that should be hurtful, should it not? And as a pastor, it's especially after serving 35 to 40 years in the ministry. It's hurtful because every, every day you talk about how we should treat people and how we should, should give back to other people and how we should love. Now, that may sound like a little depressing, the fact that we aren't doing as well as we should be doing. But don't get depressed and don't give up hope because there is hope and it's in one word and that simple word is prayer. You see, God created us to be in relationship with God and, and with each other. The prayer circles this morning that, that you do as a tradition here is it's a wonderful way to share prayer with each other in a non-threatening way. Although I'll bet you when you first started those, you were a little apprehensive about Okay, what am I going to say? Do I have to say something? It's okay. God wants us to be in relationship. And the best way to do that is prayer. And we have, as human beings, an innate desire to be in relationship with God as well. Because if you think about Psalm 42, 
It reminds us, as the deer longs for the flowing stream, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I know you sing that praise song, as the deer. That's, it does. At the innermost part of our being, that's what we want. We want to be connected to God. And yet, even though we want to be connected, we often aren't. And the question is why? And it's because we fail to pray. You saw the video this morning. We've got our, I'm going to pray at night. I'm going to crawl under those covers and I'm going to go to sleep. It's easy. And the thing is, the disciples had many of the same problems. So they went to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. Now, how many of you have ever asked anybody, or maybe you've asked Peter, Peter, teach me to pray. How many of you are afraid to pray because you aren't sure how to? Now, hopefully these circles are getting you in a better frame of mind for doing that. Almost all of us learn that simple table grace as kids. God is great. God is good. Or the bedtime prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. But now we're all grown up and those prayers, you know, those are kids' prayers, right? So we don't pray as much as we should because we're afraid to say anything because we're not sure if it's going to be good enough. But my friends, it's not about the words. It's about taking time to pray. Now, over the years, many of my parishioners have been afraid to pray, especially in front of other people, and they always expect me as the pastor to do it. And I said, I'm not the DP. You know what the DP is? Designated prayer. It's like the DH in baseball, you know, that always hits for the... No. So what over the years, what I would try to do at each church was to say, look, you can try it, coach them up a little bit, and give them a little confidence, offer some encouragement, and pretty soon they were able to pray without fear. I said it doesn't have to be long. Just say what's on your heart. Like I said, it's not about the words. It's about taking time to talk to God. That's what prayer is, talking to God, nothing more. Sharing what's on our hearts and in our minds. It's like the little boy in the following story and what he found out. See, a mother took her children to a restaurant to eat, and her six-year-old son asked if he could say grace. So they bowed their heads, and he said, God is great, God is good. Thank you for the food, and I would even thank you more if mom would get us some ice cream for dessert and justice for all, amen. <laughs> yeah, well, along with the laughter from the other customers, heard a woman remark, Kids today don't even know how to pray, asking God for ice cream. Why, I never. Well, hearing this, her son also burst into tears and asked her, is God mad at me? Did I do something wrong? So she took him in his arms and said, no, you didn't do anything wrong. I'm sure God is definitely not mad with you. You did a terrific job. Just then, an elderly man approached the table winked at her son and said, I know God thinks that was a great prayer. Really, the little boy said? Cross my heart, the man replied, and then he added in a low whisper, nodding at the woman whose remark had started this whole thing. Too bad she never asked God for some ice cream. A little ice cream is good for the soul sometimes. Well, naturally, the mother brought the kids ice cream at the end of the meal. 
Her son stared at her for a moment and then did something no one would ever forget. He picked up his ice cream without a word, walked over to the woman who had made the comment, laid it down in front of her. With a big smile, he told her, here, this is for you. Ice cream is good for the soul sometimes, and my soul is good already. <laughs> you see, prayers aren't about the words or the right words. It's about the right spirit, and the little boy had the right spirit to pray. But before we come too down, before we come down too hard on the woman, as I said, prayer can be a difficult thing, right? It can be confusing at times. People build up expectations about prayer that make it difficult to understand and fearful to do, and it shouldn't be. Seminary, you know what they teach us? Well, there are several different types of prayer you can offer. Adoration or praise, which is lifting up God's greatness. Thanksgiving, you know, pouring out our gratitude for all that God has blessed us with. Confession, yeah, acknowledging our weakness and our sin. Intercession, asking something for someone else. Submission, okay, God, I'm ready. Take me, do what you want with me. Then, of course, there's pastoral prayers, opening prayers, communion prayers. You know what I'm saying, right? It can be confusing and sometimes overwhelming. And on top of this, you need to look at why we finally do decide to pray sometimes. As Richard Foster writes in his book, Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, he writes, the truth of the matter is we all come to prayer with a tangled mess of motives, altruistic and selfish, merciful and hateful, loving and bitter. Frankly, this side of eternity we will never unravel the good from the bad, the pure from the un impure, and what I've come to see is that God is big enough to, do, to receive us in all our mixture. We don't have to be bright or pure or filled with faith or anything. That's what grace means. And not only are we saved by grace, we pray by it and live by it as well. It may feel very confusing and intimidating to pray sometimes, but the good news is it doesn't have to be. Prayer is nothing more than being in communication with God, or to put it another way, to be in conversation with God. God wants to be in conversation with us. It's part of the relationship. It's the way we deepen that relationship with God. Now, think about all of your earthly relationships. If we don't talk, if we don't communicate, if we don't keep in contact with each other, what happens? The relationship falls apart, right? Same is true as our relationship with God. If we don't communicate with God and listen for God, our relationship becomes strained and weak. Perhaps it would help to think in terms that Foster offers. He says, think of it as God welcoming us into God's house. God's home. We don't need to be shy. God invites us into the living room of his heart where we can put on old slippers and share freely. God invites us into the kitchen of his friendship where chatter and batter mix in good fun. God invites us into the dining room of his strength where we can feast to our heart's delight. God invites us into the study of his wisdom where we can learn and grow and stretch and ask all the questions that we want. 
God invites us into the workshop of his creativity where we can be co-laborers with him, working together to determine the outcome of events. And God invites us into the bedroom of his rest where, we, where new peace is found and where we can be vulnerable and free. It's also the place of deepest intimacy where we know and we are known to the fullest. Now, does that sound intimidating or welcoming? To be invited into God's home in all the different rooms. Spending time with God in conversation, that, my friends, is prayer. And the best part is we have a way to begin that conversation. That's the prayer we pray each week in church. It's the prayer that was the answer to the disciples when they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. It's very simple. It's very short. But my friends, it is filled with meaning. Let's look at quickly at the familiar words of the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What are we saying when we say these words? We're saying, God, it's you who have created us, and we lift your name on high. We hallow it. We revere it. We stand in awe and wonder when we look at your incredible creation with all its intimacy and intricacy. And God, we're thankful you created us and gave us this incredible creation to use and take care of. You alone are worthy to be praised. It's all about you. It's not about us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oftentimes when we pray together, we pray in those phrases, don't we? You know what I mean. You say part of it because that's everybody can say it pretty easily together without having to grab a big breath. Yeah. But sometimes when we do that, it's a disservice to the prayer because it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and then we put a pause. On earth, as it is, it should all be one because we're praying for God to bring it here now, right? God's will be done with us now here on earth and as fully and as completely as it is in that place that we call heaven. But when we pray, I'd suggest we do so with a little bit of caution because do we really want God's kingdom and God's will to happen in our everyday lives fully? Or do we like the lives we have right now? Are we comfortable in our current lives and not sure what changes might occur if God's kingdom really came in its totality? Just a word of caution. Be careful what we ask for. We might get it. Give us this day our daily bread. God is telling his disciples to remember what God did for the Israelites when they were leaving Egypt. Remember? They got hungry as they were leaving. When the Israelites left Egypt, they did a lot of complaining over, the, over the, the time that they were leaving. But one of the things was, did you bring us out in the desert to starve to death because they had no food left? So God heard their cries, their prayers, if you will, and sent manna from heaven. And God told the Israelites, gather only what you use this day. Don't try to save it because if you do, 
it'll have worms. It'll go bad. It's a reminder that God provides for our needs, but not necessarily our wants. In this marvelous creation, we have everything that we need. And there's plenty to go around if we share and don't try to hoard it. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Uh-oh. Here we go. It's another one of those phrases that needs to be taken in one breath. It's a continuous sentence. We're asking God to forgive us our mistakes, our shortfalls, our goof-ups. In essence, forgive us our sins, you know, the S word. We don't like to think of ourselves as sinners, do we? Because it carries a certain connotation. But my friends, we all sin and fall short of the mercy of God. We want God to give us that get-out-of-jail card free, right? You know the Monopoly card that you get, get-out-of-jail-free? And God is more than willing to do that for us because God create, created us. God loves us. But in spite of God's best intentions, we don't always follow what God wants us to do. And even though God is trying to lead us, we have other ideas of where we want to go and what we want to do. But God forgives us that. But then God asks us, I want you to also forgive those who you've done wrong to. Forgive those who have disappointed us, who sin against us, who have hurt us. God doesn't want us to be petty, nor hold grudges. God wants us to strive to follow God's and Jesus' example. Forgive us as we have been forgiven. Wow. <laughs> this prayer can really be hard to do when you start looking close at everything we pray every Sunday morning, right? Or every day if it's one that you do. Lead us not into temptation. God, you created us. You know how weak and easily tempted we are by things that look attractive. But in the end, they aren't lasting, nor are they important. Help us to remember it's not about things or money. No, the most important thing are the relationships we have in this life and in the next. Our relationship with you, with our family, with our friends, and other people with whom we share this beautiful creation. And deliver us from evil. God, when we get ourselves in trouble, when we get into something over our heads, when we are desperate, when we're without hope, please help us find our way out let us know that you are there with us no matter what. To me, this is perhaps the most important part of the entire prayer. Lord, help me in whatever circumstances I find myself in, even the darkest night, the deepest valley, may I feel your presence with me. It reminds me of a story that Foster tells of a friend who took his two-year-old son to the mall. The child wasn't happy at all, cantankerous, fussy, fuming. Now, I'm sure that's never happened to any of you with kids or grandkids or anything else, right? Your kids have always been absolutely wonderfully behaved, right? 
I know it's happened to me. Well, there was nothing the man could do with his child. It was just he was throwing fits, having all kinds of problems, causing quite a scene. Suddenly, the man reached down, scooped up his son in his arms, held him close to his chest, and he began to sing an impromptu love song. Now, the father was not a songwriter. In fact, he couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. The words didn't rhyme, but it didn't matter. He did the best he could at the moment. He shared what was on his heart about his young son. And he sang, I'm so glad you're my boy. You make me happy. I love when you laugh. And they continued to walk through the mall as the father quietly sang his heartfelt love song. Gradually, the young boy relaxed and grew quiet, listening to his father's strange and wonderful song. When they arrived at the car, the father opened the door and began to buckle his son into his car seat. The child looked up at his dad and said, Sing it to me again, Daddy. Sing it to me again. My friends, prayer can be a bit like that. With an open mind and heart, we come to God and allow God to sing us a love song, to let us know that God loves us, cares for us, and provides for our needs so that not only do we know intellectually that we are loved, but we can actually feel God's love unconditionally for us. A love that allows us to deepen our relationship with God and can transform us to be the best people we can be, the people God intends us to be. The kind that can make a difference in the world because we know and feel loved and therefore we too can share that love. You see, Jesus' answer to the disciples' questions may be a short prayer, but it's got everything in it that we need. One could say it's a lot like Prego's slogan. You know the one, Prego spaghetti sauce? It's in there. Okay? Don't be intimidated by prayer. Just pray the prayer you know remembering what it is we're praying for and asking for. It's all we really need, my friends. And then, listen for God's response, a song just for us. <laughs>